Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. This is Lindy Kaiser with clearancejobs.com, and welcome. Today, we're talking about one of the hottest topics in the security clearance process, and that is continuous vetting. It has rolled out across government over the past several years and represents a significant change in assessing the ongoing employee reliability and trustworthiness that is obviously so important within the intelligence community and national security community. To help us navigate this complex topic, today, we're talking with Brian Dunbar, Director of Security for CACI's National Security Security and Innovative Solutions Sector. Mr. Dunbar joined CACI in February of 2021 after a 32-year career with the Central Intelligence Agency. That's the last time I talked to him. He was in his role as Assistant Director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. There are so many acronyms, I can't help but stutter a little bit. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me again to talk about this really important topic. Yeah, thanks, Lindy. It has been a while since we've talked, and it's a pleasure chatting with you again today. Well, I appreciate it. Again, there's so much nuance and I feel like we get a ton of questions still both from kind of the candidate and the employer side on this and again the last time I did talk to you was 2020 when ODNI was really just ramping up continuous vetting implementation now I know the policy piece of this has been around for a lot longer but it really has just been in this past kind of two-year time that we've really seen the national security community fall under that so a major accomplishment we consider it kind of the vetting model of the future I know that's something you spoke to when I talked to you a couple years ago why is continuous vetting so important to how we kind of assess trustworthiness going forward. Yeah, well, as you know, Lindy, continuous evaluation is the key linchpin for the entire personal vetting reform effort and serves as the backbone, if you will, for continuous vetting. When I think of continuous vetting in the U.S. government context, the easiest way to explain it would be to think of CV as CE+. The plus in that definition are various internal information feeds, which exist within individual departments and agencies, as well as some time-based checks on established periodicity schedules. So CV is CE plus additional checks rolled up together. When the government embarked on the Trusted Workforce 2.0 journey in 2018, we began from the premise that automation of the entire enterprise was really the key to success. Figuring out how to move away from outmoded ways that the security vetting enterprise had been doing things for, frankly, decades was critically important. And one of the big questions we asked at that time was, how do you pull and push critical eligibility-related information to departments and agencies in a real-time manner. And so that particular question was at the forefront of the architecture. OD and I had been working on a continuous evaluation IT system, and through the work of some really dedicated, smart folks, we were able to not only figure out the how you do that, but also were able to deploy what I would say is a very complicated IT system. DOD had also been doing some great things, RE, uh, continuous evaluation. So voila, here we are today. The government, you know, as you mentioned, really deserves kudos for the tremendous accomplishment of getting some 4 million cleared individuals enrolled in some aspect of CV. And, and I totally salute them for that. To your question, 
Why is CV and being able to do it important? Well, it moves the enterprise away from periodic reinvestigation, which occurred at five or 10 year marks in the past into a way of doing business where you're able to check on these things on a, on a real-time basis. And obviously that's better. You're able to engage as required on the issues before they become insurmountable and reach critical mass. And that's good from both the protection of national security information standpoint, but also in terms of the ability to intervene favorably with the individual and provide assistance and help before, again, you reach the insurmountable stage where sensitive or classified information is lost, a violation or breach occurs, or you know the individual goes off the deep end and must lose their eligibility to sensitive or classified information. And in the private sector, likewise, you know, proactive checks and vetting provide opportunities to engage and resolve issues before they reach a crisis stage. So I think that's what I would say in terms of, you know, CV and, and, and why this world we're in now of actually being able to do that is important. And you just touched on that private sector crossover. And I think that's worth mentioning. That was kind of the topic of a New York Times piece featured a lot of folks that we know in this space that have worked with government and mentioned what the government was doing with its continuous vetting and continuous evaluation program. The title of that was a bit ominous, but I do think the good thing about that article is it correctly highlighted how continuous vetting can be a proactive role in keeping workforces safe. So to the extent that the government has rolled this out, there are absolutely private sector applications. So maybe kind of talk about some of that private sector application in addition to public sector. Why would private companies be as interested in doing some form of this, you know, continuous evaluation or vetting for their employees the way the government is? Yeah, I thought that article was quite balanced and appropriately nuanced with various perspectives. Really good job. There are a number of capabilities out there, you know, some of which were highlighted in that article that can be leveraged by companies if they so choose. It's actually easier in some ways for the private sector versus the government as you're not bound by certain Privacy Act restrictions which apply, you know, in the government trade space. So many of the capabilities have been around for a while and, you know, have been employed in various capacities. And, you know, again, you think folks like LexisNexis, Thomson Reuters, who have been in the business of, you know, gathering public records type information and distributing it for a while. Some really good applications and tools out there, which have utility, frankly, for both the government and the private sector. Hopefully the readers of the article weren't surprised to learn about <laughs> the fact that these kind of capabilities are out there. You know, with the prevalence of social media in today's world, people really need to be aware in terms of the public nature of what they put up there. Many people's lives become, frankly, very public now through their deliberate actions and activity on social media or other public platforms. I thought one thing which the article highlighted really bears repeating transparency and openness in communication with employees regarding what goes on in the vetting space is, I think, very important and in many ways critical to employee buy-in, if you will. I know when continuous evaluation was rolling out, the government took great pains to ensure that all impacted individuals were apprised early and often that we were going down this path. And the government also spent a great deal of time explaining how 
C was automation and modernization thing and not uh, really changing the dynamic about what is examined so far as eligibility to sensitive or classified information. It's uh, simply a different, more modernized way, if you will, to conduct the vetting, which you know has always gone on. And we also pointed out, you know, it's not continuous monitoring, which can take someone into the whole, you know, surveillance state mindset. That's not the case with continuous evaluation. The more you explain things to the impacted employees to assuage concerns, the better. You know, although I've been out of the U.S. government for a couple of years now, I'm not aware of any large scale pushback against the U.S. government CV efforts from impacted individuals. So I think it's the work that was put in up front in explaining it and, and what it is, what it does, that kind of thing was, was really important again for buy-in. And I also think it's critical for folks to know, at least within the US government trade space, that CV provides flags and alerts that merit further examination and investigation. And that sense their leads and, and someone or something, and that can be an individual, that can be a person, an analyst, that could also include the use of things like uh, AI needs to examine, shift, drill down on the flags and alerts to determine you know, the level of seriousness and what sort of intervention and, and mitigation is needed for in success, if you will. Yeah, and I think it's always worth noting, like, I think the key piece about, you know, continuous vetting is saying, hey, if we establish an issue earlier or sooner, there's probably more of a chance for that individual to be able to mitigate that versus if it gets out of control. The issue isn't that if you have a flag come up that you're absolutely going to lose your eligibility or lose your security clearance. It's just saying, hey, triggering kind of something when the government saying this is something we need to know about, something you probably should have self-reported already and hopefully are. I think they're trying to educate on that piece too, just to kind of make sure workers understand you still have to self-report the same issues. But I think that's a critical piece. And that's one of the key things that I think they've kind of established through you know, continuous evaluation and vetting is the aspect that if a flag is noted, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get denied your clearance. And hey, if something is noted, they're catching it sooner than that. That's a data set that they're specifically releasing, like how much earlier they're catching issues. Why is that important that they're catching issues before six, 10 years like they would on a periodic reinvestigation? Yeah. So, you know, as we were discussing, you know, a moment ago, the ability to be made aware of issues earlier is truly the main benefit of CE. Rather than let an issue fester, which, you know, could tend to be the situation with the traditional periodic reinvestigation model where people are being looked at on, you know, either a five or 10 year periodicity. Early intervention you know, just really is the key to this. From the employee standpoint, it enables the government or, you know, the company in the private sector to engage, to mitigate the issue early on, as you said, before the issue becomes a crisis. Oftentimes for the type of issues that might typically come up, like financial hardship, DUI, that kind of thing. The government or the company can get involved with the employee to offer guidance and assistance to help resolve the personal issue. The best way to prevent a catastrophic incident is to intervene proactively before the catastrophe occurs. Getting engaged early and often is the key, and that's the benefit C provides. The Times article referenced Eric Shaw's critical path and 
That's an important thing for the readers of, of that article as well. Um, that's a great model that Dr. Shaw has developed, and, and CV enables the organization and the enterprise the opportunity to get engaged early on to mitigate behaviors before the individual gets well down the critical path. Good for national security, good for the organization and the private sector, and good for the individual. Good for the private sector, good for the government, good for the individual. I think that's the key message they're trying to get across. And I think for the average applicant, it is, you know what you're kind of signing up for in the security clearance process. It isn't requiring any more additional information from individuals in that process already involves. You know, you're already having credit checks done. You're already having a criminal background check done. This is just saying rather than those systems of record maybe being checked episodically, that they're going to be checked continually. And that's not an issue for the average person. That's a spot on takeaway, Lindy. It's absolutely that. And it is, as you said, we haven't moved into a world where we're doing a lot of things differently in terms of what is being checked. It's just the how at, at a regular a real-time basis. So, you know, I don't know that anybody uh, would argue that that's not, you know, a good approach to take for this. Mr. Dunbar, thank you so much for providing your expertise. As always to me, it's always great to find an expert on this process and someone with your kind of track record and history of helping the government handle these solutions and now helping the private sector. Thank you. Thank you, Lindy. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.